this is Candace Pringle, lead pastor of FE Church, and this is our podcast. All right, new sermon series, second week of goals. Who enjoyed last week? Who was here? Yeah? All right. Well, we have another guest speaker with us today. Today's guest speaker actually planted a church up in Harrisburg, so not far, local guy, all right? And he actually has a long history with Freedom Valley, okay? And he's a good friend of Aaron and Candace. Would you guys help me welcome Pastor Tommy Arnold? Hello, yes. Well, my wife spoke here a couple months ago, Becca, and uh, she's definitely my better half, so I'm sorry that you're stuck with me today, but she is awesome, and I'm excited to be here with you today. Yes, I have a long history with Freedom Valley. Who am I? Uh, well, uh, I pastor a church, Rescue Community Church. Uh, we're up there in Harrisburg, and uh, I actually, my wife, her family helped start Freedom Valley. They were one on the team that uh, helped plant Freedom Valley, and then uh, she visited Valley Forge Christian College uh, whenever I was there, and uh, the teacher she was supposed to shadow was sick, and the president brought her to me and said, hey, Tommy, will you show her around today? And I said, absolutely. And uh, <clears throat> And so we... We skipped chapel and went rollerblading. That's right. So it was the 90s. So we rollerbladed, uh, skipping chapel. And uh, she apparently, I didn't know this, but she was not good at rollerblading. And, uh, but she, you know, was, you know, she wanted to come rollerblading because uh, she knew she found something special when, she, when I met her. And uh, she was not very good. I didn't know this. We were in the back of campus and there was a little bit of a hill. And uh, we, uh, we, this is the first time we held hands, all right? So a little bit of a hill, and she came, and she was a little wobbly, so I grabbed her hand, and she, you know, there was that that spark moment, you know? And uh, so I weigh more than her, so I go a little bit faster on the roller blades. I'm holding her hand, and I was ahead of her. I didn't notice this. She fell over. I continued to drag her down the hill and turn around like, oh, there you go, you know? And... Uh, she still stuck with me there. And then she asked me to go uh, to her prom for our first date. So our first date was New Oxford's prom, 1998, I believe it was. And uh, from there, I actually would come down, and uh, we started dating, and I would come down almost every weekend to Freedom Valley back when we were at, what was that? Defoe's, that's right, back at Defoe's, and uh, we would come back and forth there. Uh, then I did my internship. I lived in that crazy little apartment next to Defoe's. That was fun. I did my internship here, and uh, then we, uh, I remember when we bought this built this property, and Beck, my wife, was one of the first person uh, with Candace's dad, Jerry, to do the ceremonial uh, scooping of the, shoveling of the dirt. So she was there. We would come over as staff. We would hang drywall. We would uh, do all kinds of stuff, so if there's any problems in the building. It was because of the pastor's fault at that time, definitely. And uh, when I graduated Valley Forge, I came and I was youth pastor here, uh, where Candace, Pastor Candace and Pastor Aaron were in our youth group, and uh, they were awesome, and we loved our time here. And as I was sitting back here, I was thinking, I might have been the first wedding that was in this room. So we are we were very poor, and we didn't have much money, which is the definition of poor. And uh, so we did had a wedding at a church in New Oxford and did the reception here, and it was amazing. We had all kind of district officials. So uh, it was Assembly God Church. I'm an Assembly God minister. And back in the day, you couldn't dance, right? Now we just don't care. You know, we had a wedding last night, and we had all our church people there. We were dancing, having a good time. But you couldn't really dance, right? But, but if you didn't know Freedom Valley back then, we don't care, right? So uh, we had had a DJ that was uh, someone from church, and so I have our district officials. I have our district youth director here, and our district superintendent was here at our at, uh, sitting here at Freedom Valley, and uh, the DJ was a master's commission student, so that was a risk. I shouldn't have done that probably, uh, but uh, he was a master's commission student, and he I let him do the playlist, and we're sitting in here, and he puts on Love Shack. Now I don't know if you know what Love Shack is about. I don't think I realized what it was about till that moment when I was staring into our district youth director's eyes in the holy sanctuary of God while 
they were dancing and loving on Love Shack. So, uh, so we might have had the first wedding in here. I'm not, and, uh, I know one time we came down and, uh, we're great friends with Pastor Candace and Pastor Aaron. They're amazing. And my wife and I both, we co-lead our church as well. We do worship and preach back and forth, same thing like them. And, uh, I was talking with Aaron. They come up to our kids' birthday parties. We're real close with them. We go, when we go to conferences, we're staying with them and hang with them. And we are talking and we, we have a, a church in Harrisburg. I was at a church of about 3,200 as a, as a young adult pastor. I was a youth pastor for seven years, the young adult pastor for five. And then uh, if uh, Pastor Jerry Candace's dad was really into church planting, and for years we knew we wanted to plant a church. And so uh, we were one of Freedom Valley's church plants. Our church wouldn't be here without Freedom Valley, and we're so thankful for that. And we were talking, Aaron and I, we wanted to have a, a shooting range day with our guys, right? We wanted to go and shoot. Aaron said, we have a shooting range in Freedom Valley. I'm like, are you sure? And he's like, sure, go ahead. And so we went back there with about 20 or so of our guys. And uh, we were, uh, it was n- not hunting season, right? We're, b- we're back there. And uh, one of our guys has those headphones on that amplifies sounds, right? So it's pretty cool. And he's shooting a couple times. And he said, someone just screamed. I'm like, what? And there was some guys who were illegally hunting in Freedom Valley behind. And bullets were whizzing by their head, they said. <laughs> So I almost shot somebody at Freedom Valley as well. So there's a long history here. (laughs) But our church would not be where it was at without Pastor Candace and Pastor Aaron and Freedom Valley. They're some of our best friends. They actually helped us. Uh, We're about nine years old as a church. We planned in September of 2013. And we're really a different church. Uh, I grew up, and so I did not grow up in church. How many people you did not grow up in church, right? Well, the, the rest of you just bear with us, right? I didn't grow up in, I, I grew up, let me rephrase that. I grew up in Catholic church, uh, where I was an altar boy because I liked to steal the wine and I would steal the wafers because they were good, right? And so I, I did not have a very spiritual experience growing up. And then I got saved. I gave my life to God when I was 18, went off to Bible college and kind of, I learned what it meant to be a Christian here at Freedom Valley. And back then it was a little crazy uh, at Freedom Valley. So, uh, and so I learned all that, but then I would go on to be youth pastor at these different churches. And the whole time I would always feel like I wasn't quite fitting in, right? I, I didn't feel, I didn't get this overwhelmed emotional experiences with God. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. I used to think there's something, or I used to think I better not say anything because everyone else seems to experience in this stuff except me. So I just should just be quiet. And uh, I would kind of, you know, fake it till you make it, right? I would, I would uh, just say I gotta press in. And then when it came time for us to play at church, I thought maybe I shouldn't be a pastor anymore because I'm like, I just don't seem to do the things pastors do. Like all of my tattoos are after I was a pastor, and they all have scripture. My first, I got my first tattoo while I was here at Freedom Valley, not in the sanctuary, but it was actually while I was on staff. You know, that's a cool ministry idea. There we go. Uh, but uh, so uh, I, I remember we did a big outreach when we first launched, and we were the city of. Harrisburg actually asked us to do inflatables for them and all these things for kids. My wife was talking with this lady and very old school church lady, which was not me. And uh, my wife's like, oh, where are your, where's your husband? I was over there playing with the kids like I do. And, and she said, oh, is that guy over there playing with the kids? And she, she said, which one? She said, oh, the one with all the tattoos. And she said, oh, we all have a past. And she says... He got all those tattoos. He just finished that one on the right arm. And she's like, what? And she was very confused. So uh, I grew up not really the typical pastor. And uh, so our church, I felt God say, let's play in a church that is focused on reaching people who, again, I got it kind of from Freedom Valley, uh, who have either been hurt by church or given up on church or never had a good experience with God. And our church, uh, we're about a hundred, we had our, 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 about a hundred people every Sunday. We had the most people we've ever had for Christmas. So we're, it's, we're having a, a great time up there. But I would say 90% of our church, if not more, have never been to church or had a bad experience. And so, uh, whenever raising hands is new to them and we're trying to help them out with all that sort of thing. But so, uh, all these things, uh, we, we were right when COVID hit, we thought was a great time to buy a building as a church. And, uh, so, Actually, we couldn't have got our building if it wasn't for Freedom Valley. And so they helped us secure a, almost a million dollar building and uh, we're getting ready to open up daycare there and we're just reaching people. And so without Freedom Valley, we would not be around. And so we're really thankful for Freedom Valley. And one of the things we do each week 
we do, our church is Rescue Community Church, and we do a thing called the Rescue Report uh, because we want to give people a reason to look forward to church. And if it's not my preaching, then it's something else we can think of. And uh, so one of our core values is that we think that God, that we're, we should enjoy life. Jesus said when he came that I came to bring them life and life to the fullest. I think Jesus had a good time. Have you ever seen Christians who are kind of stuffy and proper? It's not me. And I don't think it was Jesus. There was even a time where kids were coming to Jesus. He was playing with them and the disciples tried to get the kids away. And he said, let the children come to me. And, and so Jesus was with people and, or with, with kids. And if kids like you, then you're fun. You can't trick a kid, you know? And so we do a thing we call the rescue report where we find things that are funny online and we want to share them with you. So I thought I'm going to do a rescue report with you guys. And uh, we just came out of the Christmas season. And these are Christmas things that I want to share with you. You could be prepped for next year. Uh, so we do a thing we call the Rescue Report. And the first one here, you can see this nice, uh, this nice card is this first one. Please enjoy this non-denominational winter scene. And then as you open the card, it just says, next one, you heathen. That's right. So, uh, yeah. Uh, this next picture, it's a picture of a dog, and it, I'm going to step aside so I don't block the screen. Picture of a dog, and his favorite toy is Santa Claus, right? And so what they did, they took the dog to see Santa Claus. Check him out, how excited he was to see Santa. Super cute, right? This next photo, it's a, it's a photo, it's, they said, I replaced my sister's photo with a photo of Vladimir Putin, and no one has recognized it yet. They're all just oblivious. I love that idea. Uh, this next one says, this, maybe this is on your Christmas wish list. All I want for Christmas is uh, some dark gray eyeshadow. There you go. Maybe some fingerless gloves. Maybe, there you go. Uh, a fluffy oversized gray sweater. Well, then we'll get you one of these. Check them out. There we go. I never, I, I did that for a guy in our church who's creeped out by them. So that's why a little more, I never noticed their little fingers until this one. Uh, or this shirt. We do a, an ugly sweater competition at church, um, and, uh, well, on this one, this, she started living alone on, for the first time, and this was her Christmas card, just herself photoshopped in every position. I like that one. This, we do an ugly sweater competition at our, at our church, and there's this one of this kid. Uh, he got sent home from school with a note from the teacher. She said, do you know what Santa Claus is doing on his shirt? When did you be embarrassed to get that letter, right? Here's this next one. I think I have my out of order here. So Christmas tip. Wrap some empty boxes, put them under the tree. Every time your child acts up, throw one in the fire. There you go. Your kids, your kids will soon start acting right. It'll work. Next one. Uh, he went and put a twister board under the, under the major scene. Baby Jesus is winning, so. <laughs> this, sorry, it's my sense of humor. Uh, for Lise, Navidad, there you go, for our Spanish speaking. I love that one, someone just, yeah. and finally, when you wind up working on your birthday, there's Jesus. What I love, if, if this is his workplace for real, someone probably, to make fun of him, put that picture of Jesus there. I don't think that picture was really there, but that's, that's our rescue report. And we do that every week. Why don't you bow your heads with me and we'll pray and ask God to bless our time here together. God, we just thank you, Lord, for everything you've given us. We thank you for a great church family here with Freedom Valley and great pastors who love us. Uh, Jesus, I just hide behind you that your words, my words be your words here today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So as we're talking about goals and we're talking about different things, and uh, I was even praying about this with our church, you know, the idea is it's a new year, right? And and a lot of times we have, how many people have already failed your goals so far? Anyone? Right? You set, you set New Year's resolutions that don't usually work, and and so you got to think about actually having the right goals. And, and so one of the things I wanted to focus on is the fact that the Bible is good news. Like I said, there's so many people who walk around kind of moping around and not realizing how much the Bible is good news. It, the Bible is divided up into two parts. Now, like I said, our church has a lot of people who aren't saved. And I also found that even people who've gone to church for a long time, there's actually a lot of people who are like me who are faking it till they made it and still don't get things. So I'm going to break it down like you're six, okay? That's just how I think it works for me. That's how my brain works, and I hope you're with me. The Bible is divided into two parts, really kind of three. Uh, there's the Old Testament, 
right? I didn't know this. Whenever you went to, so I got saved right before I went to Bible college. I knew nothing about the Bible. And I went off and I had to do a test, right? When I got there, they gave you a test. And one of the first questions was, uh, what is the Pentateuch? Anyone know? I had no idea. The Pentateuch is the first five books of the Bible already, I guess. When have I ever used that? Just to tell you that illustration, never ever have I learned what that, or used what that is. But the, the Bible is divided into two parts. You have the Old and the Beginning. That starts in the beginning of Genesis, the very first book of the Bible. It even starts with the words, in the beginning, right? It starts right at the beginning, and it goes all the way through what I call the Italian book, Malachi, or Malachi. And uh, it goes all the way through Malachi, and it talks about the story of creation, and it shows us the history of God's chosen people, the Israelites. And during the Old Testament, there were priests and you had to make sacrifices to actually cover your sin. I always just appreciate so much that we're not in the Old Testament anymore. There were priests who actually had, to, there was a place called the Holy of Holies, and they had the Ark of the Covenant in there. And if you don't know what the Ark of the Covenant looks like, just watch Indiana Jones. They'll show you exactly what it looks like. And uh, and there was like the, the tablets from the Ten Commandments and all these, you know, manna, all these different things. And in there was that, and the priests actually were the only ones who were allowed to go into there. And the priests, it was pretty cool, they had little bells on their, on the bottom of their jeans. They didn't have jeans, but on their, on their dresses they were. Uh, they had little bells on there. And when the priest went in there, one priest had a rope tied around his ankle as well. That bell is in case they were, in case the priest has unconfessed sin in their life, God might strike them dead. How many are thankful you know, we don't do that, right? So the bell is in there. In case the priest dropped dead, they would hear the bell's not moving anymore. And then they didn't want to go in there, so the rope was there so they can just tug them on out because they were too afraid. That's what the Old Testament was about. If if you, how many people have sinned? Raise your hand if you sinned. Listen, what, Romans 3.23 says everybody has sinned, so don't worry about it. Everyone has sinned, right? So if you sinned, you had to raise goats or turtle doves or something so you can bring them for a sacrifice. And then, man, Aaron, thank God that we don't have to do this as pastors anymore. The, the pastor, the priest, would then take these animals and slaughter them. Like, not just very nicely. They didn't have a, they would cut them in half, sprinkle their blood on things. That's weird, right? That's weird. Thank God we don't do that anymore. That was all in the Old Testament. That was the old covenant, the old promise, the old way of God interacting with people. The Old Testament. And then you have the New Testament. Right? And that starts in Matthew. And that goes through Revelation. The New Testament tells a story of God sending his son Jesus to the earth to be the perfect sacrifice for all mankind. Now, I know that God knew exactly what happened from the beginning of the world, but I like to, I think of things like movies in my head, right? I like to think God after all this, all these sacrifices, all these things, after wiping out the world with a flood with Noah, after all these things, I felt God was going, I gotta do something different. These guys are idiots. This is not working, right? And so I'm going to send Jesus down there, be the ultimate sacrifice. Now, thats I don't think that's really how it was. That's just how it works in my head, right? And so he sends Jesus down there to be the ultimate sacrifice for all mankind. Not just for the Israelites either. Before, it was just for God's people. But this is now for everyone. And it continues to show, the New Testament continues to show how the church was established. So you have the new covenant and the new promise of God, or God's new and improved way of interacting with his people and actually interacting with all mankind. And then right at the beginning of the New Testament, you have Old Testament, New Testament. Right at the beginning of the New Testament, the first four books, starts in Matthew, or and goes through the first four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. These are were written as four different, uh, they were written by four different disciples of Jesus who were giving a detailed story of their life with God, of what they experienced with Jesus. And that's called the gospel. And the Gospels, if actually, if you translate it, it translates to good news. It's good news. It's This is good news about Jesus coming and dying for our sins. It's good news that it's for everybody, not just for the people of God. It's good news that you don't have to sacrifice all these animals anymore. It's good news that there aren't the elite Pharisees who are above everybody else, but everybody is open to God. It's good news. And so I think as we start the new year, as you have new goals, you got to realize that it is good news that you're that God is you have God in your life. It's good news that the door is open for you. Whenever the the priest had to go in with the bells and the rope, there was a veil that that separated. No one could go in there but the priests. 
And when Jesus died on the cross, it said that the veil was torn. And I never knew really what that meant, but I have, I have to research these things. I have to know what's happening. That, that symbolized that we don't need a separation anymore from the presence of God. That everybody, not just someone special, can now have a, a relationship with God. Man, that's good news. That's something that no matter what you're going through, and we go through a lot. I know, I don't know about you, uh, but I go through a lot in my life. We have a lot of struggles, a lot of pain. And if you don't have them yet, you're going to have them soon. The, the Bible promises that. It says that it rains on the just and the unjust. I used to think that if I serve God, my life will be great, right? I discovered my life is great, but it's, it's still hard work, right? The Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust alike. That means that just because you serve God doesn't mean that life's troubles stop coming. But the good news is that you know have God to get through it. And God is with you to get through that stuff. So it is good news about Jesus. Has everyone ever seen the movie Newsies? Any, anyone seen Newsies? My wife loves that movie. She loves the Newsies. Those Newsies was a Disney movie. Uh, with Christian Bale, and it was about these, the little, the boys who would, uh, try to sell newspaper, right? Extra, extra, read all about it, all this stuff. And in the newsies, they wear those really cool hats. And, uh, I love those hats. And my wife thinks they don't look very nice. And then, I was watching, and when Queen Elizabeth died, I saw David Beckham wearing one of those hats. And I've had one of those hats for like 10 years. I said, Bexy, those are cool hats. And now that she's not here today, I brought my newsie hat. Yes, there you go. There you go. So I could be like those newsies. It says extra, extra. Read all about. There's good news that Jesus came, and you don't have to go through life alone anymore. There's good news. Our God is so big that he is able to create the whole world and be personal enough to know the number of the hairs on your head. He's personal. He creates all. It says he placed all the stars in their position, but he cares about you enough that he wants to know about what you're going through every single day. When God saw his people were dying in their sin, he forgave them and he gave up his very own son so we could all have salvation. He gave it up. That's huge. That's good news. Jesus, God himself, came down in human form and died so that you could be with him in heaven. I always think about, you know, Jesus when he came said that he was fully God and fully man. He was, he, he was fully a person. That meant that Jesus stubbed his toe and sometimes took his own name in vain. He stubbed his toe, right? Probably not, no. But Jesus still struggled. Jesus still temp was tempted. It wasn't like Jesus wasn't tempted to look at some really pretty lady. He was still tempted. But because he had God, he, because he had the Holy Spirit, he was able to overcome those things and be an example to us. If Jesus, I believe that Jesus could sin. I think he didn't sin. He was perfect. But if he couldn't sin, then he's not really a good example for us. The Bible says that that uh, Jesus had the Holy Spirit. If you actually look in the Bible, he didn't do any miracles until he was about 30, whenever he got baptized by John the Baptist. The Bible says he got baptized, and when he came out of the water, that everyone could see the Holy Spirit come on him like a dove. And so that's when Jesus started doing his miracles. And I think he didn't do miracles before that because he was doing miracles because he had the power of the Holy Spirit. And then when he died, whenever his disciples were like, don't go, we don't want you to die, we don't want you to do that, he said, I have to go so you can get this Holy Spirit. When Jesus was around, he just had the Holy Spirit. It wasn't free for everyone. But when he died, the whole the Holy Spirit came to live inside each and every one of us. That's more good news, right? There's good news all throughout the Bible. And when sometimes I think that we forget about his goodness, it's it's easy with how hard life is to forget about God's goodness. It's great to be reminded of his amazing character, to, to be reminded of his promises, to be reminded just about the gift of salvation, the fact that, man, I don't have to go through this alone. I have God on my side. And so as Beck and I, my wife, were praying about this for our church, even about the new year, I think it's just time for us to stop wallowing in our hurts and stop being like, you know, there's too many Christians who are like Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh, right? And if you don't know, there's a new Winnie the Pooh movie coming out. And Eeyore is going to get slaughtered. It's like a, it's like a slasher movie. It's like a slasher movie. You know what it's called? Well, here's what happened. Uh, Winnie the Pooh has the store. Most Disney stories are not their own. All the originals, they've been like, they're like public domain. And Winnie the, the story of Winnie the Pooh became public domain last year. And so when that happens, it means anyone can make a movie about it. And so a horror movie company got a hold of it. And coming out in February, it's called Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. And it's a slasher movie. So... I, I, hey, we live in a wrong world, but hey, that's right. 
And I, oh, Bambi is just, is becoming, uh, is becoming, uh, like public domain. And they're making a horror movie about Bambi. I have no idea what that's going to be about. But hey, that's the world we live in, right? So we, I, I think so many of us are like Eeyore thinking, man, life is tough and life is tough. But there is good news. We have to remember that God is there with us. John, look at John 10, 10 says, it says, the thief approaches with malicious intent, looking to steal, slaughter, and destroy. That is, all of the devil's purpose, all the stuff that he tries to make you think is good, his purpose behind it is to looking to steal, slaughter, and destroy. But I came, Jesus is saying this, I came to give life with joy and abundance. God wants you to have a life full of joy and abundance. He wants you to have so much joy in your life, so many friends. I think God wants you to get a promotion. I think God wants you to get a raise. I think God has a plan for your life to be blessed, and God wants to bless you for that. But we always think, oh, what was me? And we have plenty of reason to say, what was me? But we got to realize that this is good news. We have to recognize what Satan comes at us with all these horrible intents, but God, Jesus' intention for our lives is for have life full of joy and abundance. That is good news to me. Religion is about, so we talk about religion or relationship. We, we are, we are a Christian religion, right? That's our religion. But the, the term religion is really more about trying to do the right things to earn our salvation. We're not about that here at Freedom Valley or Rescue at our church. Religion is about trying harder to do more. I remember, like I said, I grew up in Catholic church. And when you go to Catholic church, you uh, you have to go to the priest and to confession. Anyone ever go to confession? Thank God. Thank God even as a pastor, I don't have to deal with that. I don't want to have to sit there, right? And But th- so what happens is there, there's a little booth and you go in, and you've probably seen it in movies, and, and you have to tell the priest what you did, and they say, okay, say these couple prayers, and you're good. I always hated that. When I, when I was a teenager, I was very, I was tough. <laughs> I would do all kind of bad things. I, I, I started uh, drinking when I was seven. I started smoking cigarettes when I was 11, uh, and I started I uh, started doing drugs when I was 15. See, I can't remember. I did too much. And uh, uh, I remember, uh, my kids think it's hilarious. I haven't been drunk or high since I was 18. They think it's hilarious that I, it's, it was before I was able to drink. But uh, God radically saved me and radically helped me to say, I don't need that stuff anymore. But when I was a kid, I was a challenging child. And hey, I thought it was fun. And uh, so one thing we did uh, was we would build bombs. All right. We would, because we had nothing else to do. And so we, there was this, this compound. It was called Etchit. It was a cleaner for computers, right? And our radio shack had Etchit. And we would, at like 13 years old, we would go and we would. So if you take a two-liter bottle, and kids, listen up, take notes. If you take a two-liter bottle, all right, an empty two-liter, and you put uh, aluminum foil in there, some pieces of aluminum. See, see, you know, he knows. And uh, you put some, you put some aluminum foil in there, and then this stuff etch it. You poured it in, and quickly put the top on it, and you threw it because it started eating away at the aluminum foil, making some gases, and then it eventually would, would blow up, and it would sound like there, a car bomb went off. It was awesome. It was really good. We did this so much in our hometown that our local radio shack made it that you had to ha- be 18 to buy Etchit because <laughs> we just kept buying it as kids. And one time we did, so we, we ran out of it. We didn't have, we weren't 18. And so I was at my friend's house. His mom was off at work and uh, we ran out of Etchit. And so we like, we got, we got making our bomb. And so that's great in the neighborhood, just making bombs all day, these kids, right? And so we went and we, we got it, put the aluminum foil in, and we just started pouring any chemical we could find in there. Uh, it didn't work, and his mom was a little upset. His mom was a little upset at us, and so she came back, and she took us, made us go to confession. That was her punishment. Made us go to confession. Uh, and so I'm in there with the priest, and he says, my son, what have you done? I was like, oh, did you try to make a bomb? He said, say five Hail Marys, you're good. I'm like, all right, that's fine. There we go. But that's that's religion, right? You just say these couple things, you just do these things, and you'll be fine. Uh, I definitely, after that, it didn't it didn't work. I definitely made more bombs after that. Those five Hail Marys didn't work on me, right? But religion's trying harder and harder to do more to earn your acceptance from God. But the gospel is the opposite of religion. Religion says obedience was going to bring acceptance. The gospel teaches the opposite. Acceptance brings obedience. You're accepted first by God. God doesn't expect you to be perfect. He doesn't expect you to have it all together. So many people think, oh, man, I got to get my life right before I can come to church. That's not the point. 
right? That's like saying, oh, I got, I got to get a little clean before I take a bath. No, that's not the point, right? You come to God as you are. Religion says you behave, and then you believe, or, or, or you behave, then you believe, and then you'll belong. Once you get things right, that's what religion says. You, you first behave, then you'll start to believe, and then you'll belong. It's the idea of you got to act right, and then you'll think right, and then you'll talk right, and then you'll belong to our church. But the gospel teaches the opposite. The gospel teaches you belong first. Then you believe. You're going to learn to believe in God. And then eventually you're going to start behaving. Your, your actions are going to line up. So there's this amazing grace that, man, you belong right away. Then you have faith that grows in you. And then eventually you will do good things for God. And there's some churches that will stop there to say, you know, God loves you and saves you. But you are called to actually start doing stuff right? You are called to actually start living for God. If you are saved, you are called to not have sex before you're married, right? You are called to stop getting drunk. You are called to not do drugs. You are called to actually be God's hand extended to people. You are called to stop making bombs, right? You're, you're called to do, you're called to do all that stuff, but you're, you belong first, and the Bible says that eventually, you know, Jesus, they said, how do we, Jesus said, you can know a person by their fruit. Do you ever hear someone says, only God can judge me? That's a scary thought. The Bible actually doesn't teach that. The Bible says that we're supposed to judge people who say they're Christians. It says that we shouldn't worry about non-Christians. Why will we judge a non-Christian when they haven't given their life to God? Why would we think they are, are acting right? But the Bible says, if someone says they're a Christian, you should look at their fruit. You should look at the stuff that they're doing. If they, even if they're here every week, even if they're an usher, even if they're on the worship team, even no matter what they're doing, if the rest of their fruit doesn't line up, the Bible says they're not a Christian. You, you can tell me forever, look at this lovely apple tree that I have. And if there's lemons all over it, I'm like, dude, that's not an apple tree, right? You're not fooling anybody. One of my biggest annoyances is, is hypocrisy. For me, like I said, I got to be honest every time I go anywhere, because I don't want to, I can't be a hypocrite. I, and as a pastor, we've seen this so many times, so many people who say they're living for God and put on a show but they're horrible to their families, and that's just not acceptable. We just had to ask a guy from our worship team, hey, until you fix this with your family, you can't be on the worship team. You can judge a Christian by their fruit. And so we are called to do eventually great things. We're supposed to do things, but we first belong, then we believe, then we behave. Ephesians 8, uh, 2 verse 8 to 10 says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. This is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done, right? So none of us can boast about it, for we're God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. You don't earn your salvation. It's a free gift. But God saved you because he wants to use you. God saved you because he has a plan for you, and he wants you to reach your family. He wants you to reach your friends. He wants you to reach your coworkers. He wants you to actually show people what it means to, to serve God. You can see that this whole story is how God laid out his salvation plan. Because God is gracious, God extended his hand to us. He reached out to us with Jesus. It's a gift. It, that's good news. Our salvation is it's not a reward for the good things that we've done. The gift of salvation is offered to everyone through Jesus, and that's good news. You know, sometimes when you give a gift, uh, you don't just give people a list of things and say, give me all these things. Maybe you've done that at Christmas, right? You give a, this whole list. Uh, we just had our, our wife's, my wife's side of the family, we just had our, our family Christmas, our, our family get-together. And when we do that, some aunts and uncles, they say, here's, get my child these things. And uh, we just don't like that. I want to pick something for him, right? And and so we we have our different uh, kids and our, our nephew. This year, it's seen, we have like six nieces and nephews, and it seemed like this year's theme was everyone wanted uh, RC cars, which I always wanted RC car as a kid. And uh, so Finn wanted one, and so we went and found the biggest stinking one we could. It was on sale, which is also good, at Sam's Club. It sat like this big. And so uh, what I love is his parents who Aaron knows, uh, they said, uh, they said that Finn would love this. And we said, great, we'll get it for him. His parents then went and got him a different one for Christmas. And we opened our gifts like a week ago, all right? So, so Finn got 
a much smaller one, like this big. And then we gave him one like this. I'm like, that's right. It was very nice to give Finn that picture, that one. And then our, our other nephew, Ollie, uh, he's awesome. And he, we heard, he didn't even ask for this, but his mom told us that Ollie wanted a, a big box of money. Want that for Christmas? Just a big box of money. And so we went and we got him a couple gifts as well because you know you have a budget for each kid, right? When we have a budget. And uh, we had $30 in ones that we wanted to give Ollie. And we were going out and, and we, no one would give us change. You know, it's hard to get change these days. I had 30 bucks and trying to get 30 ones and no one would do it. And we finally went to a bank. They're about to close. And I rolled up to the, the driving teller. I'm like, hear me out. I said, I have a weird request. I said, I said, my nephew wants all these. I said, can I have 30 ones? And I give you 30. And they said, sure. And so I got them all. And we found this little briefcase that looked like uh, deal or no deal, basically. And so uh, here, here's Ollie. And we got a picture of Ollie opening up his box of money. And look at him. Oh, yeah. And you can see the jealous nieces behind him, right? <laughs> And we just stacked it. We couldn't just put it like 30 bucks in there. We had to, and then Ollie's a smart kid. He moved around and said, it's just a bunch of ones. We're like, yeah, I know. But hey, so, but when you give a gift to somebody, man, you want to see their reaction. You want to, you want to see, you know, Ollie saw all these gigantic presents everywhere. And then this one came out. And so uh, we said, listen, Ollie, this is for you, and we're so glad you have it. But that's a gift that is so great to give, right? And so when we did all those, all those things, when we finally went through the hard, hard things of doing it for him, we love seeing him open up that gift. Ephesians 2.8, like we put up there, it says that the gift God has for you is Jesus. It's a free gift for you, and he wants you to open it. He wants you to see. He wants to see your face. And so salvation through Jesus is a free gift that's offered to everyone. And that's good news, right? More good news. And look how that, that passage in Ephesians ends. It says that, that uh, he's created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he's planned for us long ago. Religion said you have to believe or behave first, then believe, then belong. The gospel says, no, you belong first, then you believe, then you do. Then you actually start living out the stuff God tells you. And so our first point there is good news. The rest of the points are much shorter, don't worry. Uh, but that's this one to lay the groundwork that we have good news. The second point is because we have this good news, uh, don't quit. Keep going, right? The Bible talks over and over again about not quitting, about running the race. But I think this is one of the biggest reasons people walk away from God is because they quit. And some of that has to do with, I think, bad teaching from pastors over the, over generations. You know, there's, uh, I, whenever was, I was in college, I got rear-ended by, by a plumbing van that was doing 60. And it, I have two herniated discs in my back and neck and my back is all jacked up. And I would always, and I still do, go to the altar and ask God for prayer. And I would always get prayer. Uh, you know what I realized? No one taught me how to react when I didn't get healed right? And so I was always going up. And there was one guy, uh, he was at, at winter retreat, and I used to always help out with winter retreat. And he was a speaker there. And he was always a real big, rambunctious speaker. And all, people always getting healings and stuff. And so I went up to him at like midnight when everyone's to bed. And I was like, hey, man, it's like, can you pray over my back? You know, and ask you to heal. So we're in, standing out in the, in the playground at camp. And he was one of these real fiery guys, which is not, it's not me. Good, good for them, not me. But he's praying like that, all fiery. And he's seeing that nothing's happening, right? My eyes are closed. And I feel his hand come off of me. And I just look up and he's walking away. I'm like, oh, okay, sorry. I guess it didn't work, right? Or at youth convention, uh, I believe in getting slain by the Spirit when you're, you're so overpowered by God that you fall over. It's never happened to me, but I believe in it. And, and a lot of times at those altar moments, there'll be these things that happen. You're like, it's happened to everyone, but not me. And you'll see it at winter retreat. Uh, and he's like, what about me? And I, this one guy came over and was praying over me. Everyone was getting slain in the Spirit. And he kept pushing me. And I just put my knee foot back. I said, I'll go down, but not because you're pushing me, right? And so I, I want God to move, and I believe God will move, but just because he's not doing it how you think, you still can't quit. You still got to go on. You, I think, I, and we don't get good at teaching about, well, what do I do when it doesn't happen, right? And so, or, or what happens if I pray for this one thing? It didn't happen that way. I remember uh, I was a youth pastor for all these years, and it was all these churches. felt like it wasn't working out. It was tough. I thought, maybe I missed it. Maybe I'm not supposed to be a pastor. And so I actually applied to be uh, an, a conductor in the railroad. So I worked there all the live long day. I was a conductor in the railroad. 
there was 1,200 of us applied. They hired four of us. And uh, I drove, that's when I lived in Hanover, because uh, we helped with a church plant there for one of Freedom Valley's church plants. And I would drive all the way up to Enola, which is where I live now. And I would be a conductor. And uh, it, it was really hard. And I prayed before I did that, because even my daughter, I have three kids. My son Noah here, he's almost 14. Uh, that's not my son, that's Zach. He's our youth pastor. And then I have a uh, 16 and 17 year old daughter. So yeah, my life's great. And uh, it's very blessed. But yeah, it's, you know, my daughter, she's asking me, dad, even last night, she's like, how do you know which school you should go to? I, and she's like, how do I, how do I hear from God? I said, you won't, honey. You just kind of have to guess and trust that God will guide you, right? There's, I don't know almost anybody who's actually heard an audible voice from God. And if you have, one of two things, you really heard the audible voice of God, or you should get more meds, right? Uh, so there's, uh, I, so most people, most pastors don't hear an audible voice from God. We just get a feeling. We just get, uh, the Bible says there's wisdom in wise counsel. When we wanted to buy our building for almost a million dollars, we didn't have that many people. But we talked to people like uh, Pastor Candace and Aaron and Pastor Jerry and said, hey, what do you think? And, and you got guidance and you make a step of faith, trusting God will take care of you. So when I went out on the railroad, I said, God, if this is not what you want me to do, then guide me back around. And I worked on a railroad for about six months. My first daughter was born. I worked seven days a week, 12 hours a day, driving an hour each way. And it was tough. And uh, our district youth director called me and said, Tommy, are you still in the game as youth pastor? I said, if it pays, I got a kid now, right? I need... And uh, so I, he led me to a church up in Hazleton, and we went up there for three years to be youth pastor. So I think whether or not I was supposed to leave ministry and go on the railroad, I, I don't know. But God, I did it with the right intention. I didn't quit, and God brought me back around. So there's going to be times where hard things come, but you can't quit. You have to know that you're going to be tempted to quit, but you can't quit. One of my favorite pastors... His name's Tommy Barnett. He's like 75 years old. And he said this. He said, great men are just ordinary men that didn't quit. That's it. You want to be great at something? Just don't quit. Just keep on doing it. They say to be an expert at something, you have to do it for 10,000 hours. That's a long time. I love this quote. I think that the special quality that people have who seem like they're accomplishing great things is they didn't quit. They kept on going. So don't quit. Philippians 3, 12 to 14 says, I do not mean that I'm already as God wants me to be. I have not yet reached that goal, but I continue trying to reach it and make it mine. He keeps on trying. This is Paul talking. Christ wants me to do that, which is the reason he made me his. Brothers and sisters. I just have to say, have to say that when I see brothers and sisters. Brothers and sisters. I know that I have not yet reached this goal, but there is one thing I always do. Forgetting the past. Stop on that part a second. Forgetting the past. Whatever's happened in the past, all the times you messed up, all the times God didn't do it exactly the way you thought, all the things that you felt like were a failure, forget the past and I strain towards what is ahead. I keep trying to reach the goal and get the prize for which God called me through Christ to this life above. Man, you have to know that you're here for a purpose. God has a purpose for you. And not only are you on this earth for a purpose, but you're in the family that you're in for a purpose. You're in the school that you're in for a purpose. You're in the job that you're in for a purpose. Everywhere you step is where God wants you to be and wants to use you. So you're in the church that you're supposed to be in. Man, God needs you here at Freedom Valley. God needs you here in the youth. God needs you here serving in kids. God needs you here holding doors. That There is a purpose for your life, and, and God needs you. And it's not God's intent to put you here and do nothing. God's called you to do something. And just because maybe you're not up on stage, that doesn't matter. The rest of the church couldn't function without everyone doing something. In God's eyes, no matter who you are, you're somebody, and you hold a great purpose. 1 Corinthians 15, 57 and 58 says, But let us give thanks to God. He gives us the victory because of what our Lord Jesus Christ has done. My dear brothers and sisters. Everyone say that with me. Ready? One, two, three. Brothers and sisters. There we go. We're in inner city Harrisburg, but we're not that church, but I like to say it, right? Uh, remain strong in the faith, or don't quit, right? Don't let anything move you. Always, everyone say always. always. Always give yourself completely to the work of the Lord, because you belong to the Lord. You know that your work is not worthless. 
Man, if you want to do something great for God, you just keep doing it. You don't quit. There's all kinds of stories of people who didn't quit. You know, Michael Jordan got cut from his high school basketball team. He was phenomenal in college. How did he get cut just in high school? He just, he kept going. Uh, the Peanuts author, Charles Schultz, I think his name is, right? Schultz, right? He, uh, he was going to quit. And at one point, the popularity of Peanuts was so, he wrote the, you know, Peanuts and all that. It was so popular that way back in like the 70s and 80s, they made about a billion dollars a year off their merchandise. The greatest basketball player, Michael Jordan, is cut from a high school team. Walt Disney, he was fired from his job at a newspaper early in his career. They said he lacked imagination. Walt Disney, right? There had to been something that clicked in him that told him not to quit. Steven Spielberg, he was uh, rejected from film school three times. He's one of the best directors ever, re rejected three times. John Grisham's first book, A Time to Kill, was rejected 28 times before a publisher picked him up. Henry Ford, uh, his first two automobile companies failed. And if you don't know, Ford stands for Fix or Repair Daily. So this Ford's kind of working out. <laughs> this new company's kind of working, right? Uh, I have a Wrangler and a Tahoe, so I'm a, a Chevy and, and Jeep guy. Uh, Albert Einstein, one of the smartest guys ever. Uh, at school, they labeled him mentally slow. That was on his permanent record. He was mentally slow. Oprah Winfrey, she was fired from her early job as a television news anchor. They say she wasn't any good. That's a mistake. Jerry Seinfeld, if you don't know Jerry Seinfeld from that show Seinfeld, he's worth about $600 million now, just from Seinfeld. And it was, he didn't make all that money from B-movie. He made it from Seinfeld, right? Uh, he was booed off stage on his first stand-up comedy thing. He was booed off the stage. Uh, Sir James Dyson, right? This guy, Dyson. Uh, he suffered through 5,126 failed prototypes before he found out how to make the Dyson vacuum. And everyone loves a Dyson, right? Elvis Presley was fired from the Grand Ole Opry and was told to go back to driving a truck. Good thing he didn't quit, right? I love this story. Colonel Sanders, Colonel Harlan Sanders, right? When he was like 50 or 60, it was, it was late when he started in his life. He was rejected over a thousand times before he actually found his franchise partner and before he got uh, KFC off the ground. And I just re read his, he had a mentee. I forget his name. I didn't write it down here because I just found this out a couple days ago. Uh, he, he had a mentee who invested in KFC to help him out. And he actually sold his $1.5 million stock back to Colonel Sanders uh, for $1.5 million. And then he started his own company, Wendy's. That, Wendy's came out of KFC, right? Good thing he didn't quit right? You, you are called not to quit. I, I got a photo of this tree. Check out this tree. This tree fell down and he said, no, I'm not quitting. And he just grew back again. I love that, right? If you go, he, this tree fell down and said, nope, not quitting. If you go, our, our family, we go to Universal Studios because we love it and it's cheaper than Disney. And uh, so we go there. And when you go, they have a Dr. Seuss land, Dr. Seuss is all wild. Every tree they have is not a straight line there. They get trees that survived hurricanes and, and they're all wiggly in there. It's really cool. And so like this tree, you can't quit. Now, sometimes you're going to go through stuff where you feel like you had your legs cut out from under you. Have you ever gone through something where you felt like there's no way I'm going to make it through this? Well, when that happens, you got to be like this next tree. Look, this next tree got cut down, but he's not alone. I love that. That's, that's what a picture of what a church is supposed to be for you. You feel like you get your legs cut from under you, and this tree said, I got you, don't worry. And, and they both are growing now. They're both sharing the same support. you got to realize that you're not alone either. You have a church, you have friends, you have people in your life. Don't quit. Last point here. Last point is, uh, it's time, right? You ever listen to like, I'm a big UFC fan, right? The guy who calls the UFC fights, you ever hear him? He did, he goes, it's time. I have an audio clip for you in case you don't know. This is, so right before the fight starts, this guy comes out and does this. It's time. Okay, now, now we're going to crank it because you got to hear it. You, this guy, we're going to crank the volume and one more, and, and with me, let's do it all together while he does it. We have to hold it out. Ready? Go for it. It's time! Oh, I love that in UFC, man. I'm ready for the fight. But you know what? God's saying, that was actually the recorded audible voice of God right there. We said, we found the recorded audible voice of God. So now today, you can hear from God. We don't believe in blasphemy in my church. We just, no, I'm kidding. So uh, that's that's the record, no. that. But I think God's saying that to you today. It is time. It's time to start living the life that you're meant to live. 
It's time to stop wallowing. It's time to, to stop just kind of getting by. God said he called you to live life to the fullest and with great joy and abundance. It's time to actually start doing stuff for God. It's time to start letting God move in your life. Now, there's, you have past hurts, and, and that's understandable, but there's also times you can still get through this stuff and still move on. You still, it's time for God to move in your life. If you've been coming to, to Freedom Valley for a while, you know, maybe you've been here, maybe you've never given your life to God, it's time, right? Back in the day, they used, evangelists would use scare tactics, and they say, listen, if you don't do it now, you're probably going to get hit by a truck and die on the way home, right? That worked for some people. That worked to at least scare them. But that is actually, it's true. You don't know how many days you have left. You don't know if you are going to get hit by a truck today when you go home. You don't know if you're going to fall asleep and die. I'm sure these, uh, uh, DeMar Hamler didn't know that he's going to take one hit to the chest and die on the field. And luckily someone was there to revive him back, right? You don't know when is you're going to have enough time for God. But it's time now. You've heard the good news. You've been a part of a church that says stuff. It's time to stop being a hypocrite. It's time to start loving your family the way you're supposed to love your family. It's time to start actually stop smoking up and drinking. It's time to, to actually start living for God. That's You've heard the good news. you got to now make the choice and start living for God. Stop making excuses. See, this is why pastors bring in other people, because I can tick you off, and that's okay, right? So, But it's time to actually start doing it. God said in times of trouble that he'll hide you. He'll take care of you. God said he would supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. God said no good thing will he withhold from those who do his will. Listen, that part. No good thing will he withhold from those who what? do his goodwill, who are actually living for him, who actually are an apple tree and not a lemon tree, right? That's what he says. God said, give and it shall be given to you. It doesn't say, God, I can't afford to tithe. So after I pay Netflix and all these other things, I'll give the church four bucks. No, first fruit, you're supposed to give God your first tithe. If, if this is your storehouse, if Freedom Valley is where you get fed, the Bible says you give 10% to God. Uh, my church knows this scripture because we preach it all the time. Uh, like I said, I call it the Italian book, Malachi. Malachi 3.10 says that when you give to God, he will bless you more than you could ever imagine. He said it's the only place in the Bible that you can actually test God. You know, I, I can jump off the stage and stage dive into no one and say, God, catch me, and I'll slam on the floor, right? The only place he says to test him is in giving. And so God says that he'll give, if you give it, she'll be given to you. God said, bring your tithes into the storehouse. I said, bring your whole tithe into the storehouse, and the windows of heaven will be open for you. Man, that would be awesome, right? How many people can use some windows of heaven blessing in your life? Well, if you want that, the first thing is you got to start putting it into action. It's time to start doing it. God said, come to me, and I'll wipe the tears away from your eyes. Where there's confusion, he said, I'll bring peace. Where there's sadness, I'll bring joy. It's time to make a decision and finally admit, hey, we're, we're all sinners. The Bible says everyone's sin, so you're not sitting next to anybody perfect. And it was time to believe the good news that Jesus came and died for our sins. And probably the most important thing, it's time to start living like Jesus is actually the Lord of your life, that he's actually the one in control. We're going to close. I have, I have a quick video for you here uh, about a, a great guy, good old Rocky. Check out Rocky. You ain't going to believe this. But you used to fit right here. I'd hold you up and say to your mother, this kid's going to be the best kid in the world. This kid's going to be somebody better than anybody ever knew. And you grew up good, wonderful. It was great just watching every day was like a privilege. Then the time come for you to be your own man and take on the world, and you did. But somewhere along the line, you changed. You stopped being you. You let people stick a finger in your face and tell you you're no good. And when things got hard, you started looking for something to blame, like a big shadow. Let me tell you something you already know. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's a very mean and nasty place, and I don't care how tough you are, it will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. You, me, or nobody is gonna hit as hard as life. But it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. Now, if you know what you're worth, then go out and get what you're worth. But you got to be willing to take the hits and not pointing fingers saying you ain't where you want to be because of him or her or anybody. 
cowards do that and that ain't you! You're better than that! I'm always gonna love you no matter what. No matter what happens. You're my son, you're my blood. You're the best thing in my life. But until you start believing in yourself, you ain't gonna have a life. Don't forget to visit your mother. I love that idea that that's what quitters do, and that's not you. That's what cowards do, and that's not you. Nothing hits as hard as life, Rocky said, but it's not about how hard you hit, get hit. It's about how hard, hard you can get hit and keep moving, keep going forward. So it's time to not quit. It's time to, to actually believe in yourself. Believe that, he said, until you believe in yourself, you're not going to have a life. You're not going to live the life God has for you until you start knowing what God's called you to do. Isaiah 40 says this, he gives strength to those who are tired. How many are tired, right? Man, I'm always tired, right? He gives strength to those who are tired. He gives power to those who are weak. Even young people become worn out and get tired. Even the best of them trip and fall. But those who trust in the Lord will receive new strength. They will fly as high as eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not grow weak. Man, today, maybe you need a new strength. You need God to, to lift you up out of this and realize that this is good news, the life you have, even no matter how hard it is, no matter how much you're getting beat down, that you could get back up again with God's help. And so today, let's ask you to bow your head and close your eyes as we get ready to close in prayer here. And I want to start first off, if you've been coming to church for a while, maybe you've never given your life to God. Maybe you've never taken that step and said, God, it's time that I stop trying to do this on my own. I need you in my life. At our church, we call it the ABCs of salvation. A, you admit that you're a sinner. Romans 3.23 says everyone's sin. So there's nothing to be ashamed about. You're a sinner. And then B, you believe that Jesus came to earth to die for your sins, that he was a, a God coming here for a sacrifice for you. And most people do those, but then they don't do the C part of salvation. You commit to live your life as Jesus is Lord of your life, as captain of your life. He's the one in charge. God, no matter how hard it is, I'm going to live for you. And with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you've never done that before and you want to do that today, I'm not going to make you come up to the altars because I'm not very good at altar times. I'm going to pray for you while you sit in your seat. And so if that's you, if you've never given your life to God, I just want you to raise your hand between you and God now and say, you know what? It's time that I give my life to God. Father God, we, you see each hand that's raised. God, we thank you so much that you love us, that you saw that we needed a Savior, that you sent Jesus to us. And God, I, I just we admit we're sinners. God, we believe that Jesus is the Son of God sent to be our sacrifice. And God, help us commit to live our life for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Keep bowing your heads with every head bowed, every eye closed. Maybe today you might feel like Rocky's son, that you're just beat down, that, that you've kind of just been wallowing and, and you don't know how to get out of this hole. You know, God, no, even if you're going through hard things, God wants to pull you out of those things. And if it's you today, if you say, you know what, it's time that I start living out this calling. It's time that I start living uh, and doing the things God wants me to do. With every head bowed, every eye closed, you raise your hand. Say, God, help me through these things. It's time. God, it is time that you start uh, helping us, Lord, to realize that even though we're sinners, we've all sinned and we're supposed to be humble, but we are sons and daughters of the Most High God. You have a great calling on our life. You have planned, you lay plans out and, and God, I pray that even when we go through the hardest things life can throw at us, God, that we won't quit, that we'll, we know it's Satan coming after us, just like Job lost everything. And we'll say, I'm going to hold on to Jesus. So God, Jesus, we just hold on to you. God, if we've missed it, help us bring us back around. God, we pray that whatever it is, all we do is focus on loving you and trusting you to guide us and not quitting, Lord. God, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can we give Tommy a round of, to give him some love? Wasn't that good? I learned two things today. Don't quit and how to make bombs. <laughs> you know what? If you have somebody that just won't come, this just came to me. If you have somebody that just won't come to church, say, listen, 
I know a church you can go to and they'll teach you how to make bombs. They may show up. <laughs> Might have the FBI there. Amen. <laughs> that was good. 20-second takeaway. If there's something that God really laid on your heart that you want to share, please, uh, Matt, be back there to record you. Spaghetti dinner is coming up in a few weeks. And uh, there was one other, and now it just slipped my mind. Um, I'm in. Yes, here we Yes, I'm in. If you, uh, if you uh, gave your heart to the Lord, that number was up there. There it is. And there's one other, but I can't remember it. Would you stand with me, please? We appreciate you being here. Love you. If you have any questions or any needs, Serve Desk is out there. And uh, let's pray. Father God, we just thank you for the word that was spoken to us today. May we be, as James said, that we not just be hearers, but we be doers of the word. Not just looking at a mirror and walking away, but being changed. Holy Spirit, you take the words that Tommy spoke and you will use it and change us to be life changers, to be workers in your kingdom. And we thank you that you have given us your grace. Go with us this week now, Lord. Bless us in all that we set our hands to do, that we may prosper in everything we do in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much. We'll see you next week, prayer team. If you come, if you have a prayer need, please come and ask somebody to pray with you. See you next week. to download our app for more content and help.